Hello, and welcome back to the CMO Alliance podcast, CMO Convo, the show that's all about conversations with CMOs and top-level marketers. Today, we're joined by Aidan Tai, CMO of Mosey, as we explore how he gets into the mind of his audience and shares his insights into how brands can understand and appeal to Gen Z. Hi, Aidan. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, so, so it's an interesting conversation we're having today. And it's one that's very important to a lot of CMOs and a lot of just marketers in general. It's, it's understanding your audience, um, which is the only way you really can market at all. Like you, you have to understand your audience. Um, and we're going to touch a bit on um, Gen Z specifically, because that's what your products um, target at. Uh, but before we get down to that, Aiden, maybe you want to introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your background and then and your current CMO role. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Aiden Tai. I'm currently the CMO at Mosey. We are a uh, group payments and bill splitting platform, and we're based in Toronto, Canada. It's actually funny, Will. You, yeah, you call it Gen Z, but over here, we're gonna, I'm going to be calling it Gen Z. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I guess for a little bit about my background. Um, so back when I was in high school, I started hosting events and hosting semi-formals for students at my school and, and uh, students at surrounding schools. And this was more of just something that I would do for fun. Uh, it wasn't really about making money or, or starting a business. It was just something that I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed organizing and I enjoyed hosting. So um, at these events, I would be, you know, I'd charge 25 bucks to come in. And then the day of the event, I would charge $50 at the door. So I'd be walking away with some decent cash. Um, and I did this throughout high school. I did this between grades nine to 12. And then as I went, I went to uh, university in Kingston, Ontario. I went to Queens University. And while I was there, I co-founded a company called Revel Entertainment. And we were an events management company. Um, I was one of three co-founders. And uh, mainly what I did was I was in charge of marketing the events and I was and handling all the ticket sales uh, amongst our promoters. We had a team of about 35 promoters. Um, and with Revel, we brought in acts like Sean Frank, Loud Luxury, Adventure Club. And if you're not aware, they're, they're all pretty famous DJs. And, that, and we were in business for about two years. And with Revel, we generated <clears throat> right around $90,000. Um, so this was hugely successful for us at the time. And again, like similar to high school, it kind of started just out of a passion as opposed to you know, the need for, to make some extra cash, you know, obviously that was nice and it probably was needed, but, uh, it, it really was just something that it was, we were doing it anyways. You know, we were, I, I was hosting parties at my house. I was hosting events at clubs. So I figured why not toss a name on it? Why not brand it a little, uh, and make it a little bit more legit. Um, um, yeah, so, and then did that kind of give you sort of like the passion that to get into marketing then was it, was it, yeah, that so, kind of pushed it? So that was definitely the stem and that's where, you know, I, I, I rooted all back to because when I graduated from school, I initially right away, I went in because I graduated with a politics degree. So I went in and I started working a politics job here in Ontario. And I quickly realized that it wasn't really for me. Um, I enjoyed it and I met a ton of great people, but it just, it didn't bring me that like a, any type of spark. So after that summer, I started with Mosey in September of 2019. Um, back when I started with Mosey, it was only Luke, Colin, and I, and we are the three co-founders. And back then, we had no app, no website, no name, no colors, no logo. All we really had was 
um, our idea. And this idea was um, in the process of being built out overseas by um, developers over in Eastern Europe. Um, so over the year, we built out this platform and, and the idea definitely morphed a bit and we pivoted with our idea. Um, but we released an app in March of 2020, um, which we ultimately had to take down because that was right when COVID uh, was declared a national emergency in Canada and kind of over the entire the rest of the world. Um, and at the time, this we were really bummed out about this, as I'm sure like many people were with their businesses having to um, fold at the time. But it looking back now, there was actually a silver lining in there because it gave us the opportunity to take our app down. But over the past year and a half, we've now been building out a new app, which um, it, it's exponentially better. You know, we, we've really put a lot of work into our UI UX. We put a lot of work into finding out the features that our audience does need. Um, so we're really excited to release that. We're actually ap approaching our launch now. Um, it's going to be in mid August. So that's, that's sort of where we are now with Mosey. So, yeah, I guess it gave you like a chance to sort of like soft launch the app, like get, get, get your feet wet at launching the app, see what, see what you need to be done. And then you've got a clear, clear road to, to launch this time around. Yeah, no, it totally did. It, it definitely gave us a ton of perspective as well. Um, when we first launched, we, we were, we're still doing a ton of the practices that we were doing back then. Mainly what we were doing is, you know, handing out merch, um, giving people banners to hang on their university houses, because um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this yet, but our target demographic is university students. So um, it's an, it's an interesting audience. And if you can, you know, approach it correctly, I think it's definitely a, a very, it's an easy audience. Uh, and I say easy because you go to a university town and there's 10,000 students who all live pretty close together. They all, you know, have generally similar interests. Um, so you, you can approach it in a way and you kind of go at them as a herd, as opposed to having to go at them individually. And then they tend to be early adopters when it comes to this kind of thing as well. Like um, so with like these, the split payment stuff, it's huge in universities in, in the States with, uh, with Venmo. Um, I know Monzo's huge with the uh, university students here because it's so easy to, to make payments between that. Um, mm -hmm. And you just got to look at like social media stuff as well. Like uh, university students were the first people to jump on social media, the first people to, I think they were one of the biggest audiences for Netflix when they first started. So it's a, it's a great like launch position is to go for university students and then spread out. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, I think like definitely a, a factor that plays into that is that university students, and I guess just young, younger people, um, they're, they're, they're digital natives. So they're more tech savvy. They're, they're, they're definitely more willing to be early adopters um, when it comes to a, a new tech platform or a new social media platform, or um, even, you know, purchasing uh, just purchasing items online and, and the, the rise of uh, online shopping. But um, yeah, so it definitely, definitely are a good um, target audience for us to, to go at. Most of our exec team as well is we're all relatively, uni uh, relatively recent university graduates. Um, so, and that's kind of where our whole idea stemmed from with, with this, you know, splitting payments. When I was at university, I lived with seven guys. So as I'm sure you can imagine, we had a ton of, different times where we needed to split payments. You know, we paid rent every month. We paid our Wi-Fi bill, our utilities bill every month. Um, somebody would go out and buy groceries. Somebody would buy a barbecue. 
And then we were left kind of with our hands in our pockets, trying to figure out who owes what, writing it all out on a sticky note. Um, so that's kind of where this whole idea stemmed from was, you know, we lived the pain. I, I know what I personally needed this platform. So and I like how you went to all the practicalities. The first thing that crossed my mind when I, about my time at university was like splitting pizzas, splitting the bar tab, like straight exactly, away. That was, exactly. that was the straight away what I thought, not rent, not utilities. I didn't, didn't think about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've definitely had some time to give it some thought, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the pizza bills and the bar tabs are definitely huge bills that always need to be split as well. So, <laughs> um, so you mentioned um, you, you had the, the the recent experience of being university students, but in terms of like getting inside the mindset of university students, like what what activities do you do to get inside the mind of your audience? Like, what what do you do to get the insights of like university students now, especially in light of covid and stuff like that like i'm sure i don't know what the restrictions are like in canada at the moment but i'm sure even when they go back to back to school in is it august or september the the university year in yeah in, in september canada, yeah when they go back to school in september i'm sure there's still gonna be restrictions in place this uh, the university life is gonna be very different to how you lived your university life the, so how do you get in that mindset how do you get those insights yeah so i think that and i know like i just touched on this but being a, a recent grad has it's huge for us. Um, and the reason being, I guess, just to take it a step further is one thing that uh, Luke and I, Luke is our CEO. What we would do last year is we would, we would go up to all these campuses and we would, and we would talk with students. And I think that students were always really willing to speak with us because we were young and because we could relate to them. So being be, like having graduated recently, we, you know, we know what to talk about. We, we are Gen Z's as well. So we, we know how to um, relate and, and make our conversations attractive to them. One thing that we're actually planning for next year is, is we've recently bought um, a huge cargo van and we're, and we're wrapping it in all our colors and, and branding it like wrapping it with a big Mosey wrap. And we're planning to drive all the way across Canada. So we're going to start in Toronto and then try to go to about 35 university campuses along the way and, and end off in uh, Vancouver, BC. <clears throat> the goal for this is again, just to speak with students. We found that when we talk with, with students, you know, one, we can market and, and sell our platform to them, but two, we can, we can ask them to go on the platform, use it, and then use the platform and then tell us what they like, tell us what they don't like. Um, this is, that is also been a huge um, exercise that we've done. We've done a ton of user testing. So uh, last year we had brand ambassadors who, and they were, they were a very successful marketing channel for us, but these, we had 20 brand ambassadors across eight campuses in Canada. And we, one thing we would do with our brand ambassadors is we, is we would have bi-weekly phone calls with them or zoom calls. And on these zoom calls, essentially we would address, okay, so what do you guys like about the platform? What do your housemates like? What don't your housemates like? What about your extended friend group? Do they like it? Do they not like it? Um, what What's one way that, uh, what's something we can do that will make them make them like us more? Um, so just keeping an ongoing conversation with students has been super important for us and super successful for us because we've been able to kind of take this into every facet of our business. We've been able to um, take this feedback and put it into our uh, user interface on our app and, you know, ad address certain things that people don't like. We've been able to, you know, say, okay, well, pe people like it when we sponsor parties and give them free merch, obviously. Course, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
let's make some more merch. Let's get, let's find a way to get cheaper merch so that we can give out more. And then that way people use our platform in return. They get some free shirts. We get users and everybody's happy. Um, Another huge uh, marketing channel for us has been we've partnered with a bunch of local alcohol companies. So alcohol companies, as well as kind of just consumer brand companies across Canada. And what we do for them is they give us a bunch of products. So we have a a storage locker where essentially we keep all these cases of alcohol. (laughs) And uh, when people, when we sponsor a party, so we say, okay, if you use our platform to collect tickets for your party, we'll give you X amount of cases. Um, And then all you have to do is we ask that you take pictures of the cases and tag the company. So it's kind of a love triangle there in a way that we get the users on board the alcohol brands get the pictures and the social media attention that they want. And the people using our platform, um, they get free alcohol for their party. Plus they get to, you know, collect ticket money from everybody coming. So that, that's been a, a super successful uh, channel for us as well. It's a, it's a good idea when it comes to pretty much any kind of, any, any product marketed towards any kind of audience is to think about the broader implications, the broader things that your target are target audience is interested in so university students of course are interested in alcohol like yeah, <laughs> yeah come on like of course they are so any free stuff free stuff <laughs> free stuff especially free alcohol especially and free yeah. stuff just in general um so it's, it's get it's yeah it's developing stuff that is going to be of interest to them in that in that respect like you look at like um you, you look at like 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 car like car brands the way they market car brands like they're like they'll they'll sponsor things that are of interest to their target market so you don't get ferrari sponsoring soccer teams for example ferrari sponsors f1 teams which is more of their their wealthy target market but mm. whereas like you get someone like you get someone like ford someone more working class middle class audience they, they sponsor football teams as well so it's just putting your product name in the places where your audience is actually going to see it and appreciate it yeah no, for sure um, and one thing that we've actually realized is since we're still so, so young as a company, um, we we've tried our best to avoid digital marketing, um, which I, I think is, would be an unpopular, uh, would be an unpopular strategy right now. I think that, um, with the rise of social media and just mm-hmm. the rise of the digital age, um, digital marketing seems like the most obvious, uh, channel to, you know, get your, your brand and your product in front of consumers. Um, but one thing we've really been trying to strive for organic growth. And the reason, the reason for that is because since we're a platform that we require So for example, Will, if you went on our platform, our platform would be useless to you unless you had a friend who was on it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, and so if we, um, use digital ads and Instagram marketing and and we put it in front and, and will you download our app? That doesn't mean that now your friend's going to download it. The, the best way for us to get you on and your friend would be to uh, go talk to you or, or attain you as a user in a more organic way and in a way that you actually like our platform and you actually, you know, you love our platform and you become a super user because then those super users are going to say, hey, hey, guys, hey, girls, I'm using this new platform called Mosey. You know, I send money on it. You know, we can split bills on it. I think you guys should all get on it. It's super convenient. Um, and that, I think that's the best way to actually attain users because, you know, it's useless for us to, we could, we could get a million downloads in a night, but if only, if only a thousand people are using it every day, then those downloads are useless. Right. I, I suppose you've got the advantage that you know exactly where your 
target audiences like geographically like you, no. you literally have, <laughs> can have a map saying like this is where we need to go this is where we can speak to people um but yeah there are big advantages in direct marketing in that respect um especially when it comes to when it, when it comes to yeah university students who are looking for I suppose, I suppose university students and it's a big thing with gen z or gen z however we're going to say <laughs> in this episode um is authenticity behind the brand so the fact that they, are, they actually get to speak to you as the founders is probably a big advantage do you think that that is something that you took into account when you were developing these strategies yeah absolutely um i think that authenticity amongst gen z is huge it's actually like a common trend that's that's been studied and and been proven that they they really value authenticity um so i think as founders um what what one thing that we do is we try to speak at as many university classes as possible so we try to go into business classes or speak at university conferences um because well that way you're still being authentic right but you're speaking to 300 of them at once so it's kind of a a few birds with one stone um in when in those when when speaking in those settings um you, you can say hey like I'm going to give you guys all a sticker or, you know, I'll, I'll give you guys all a wristband, you know, something small that's it's cheap and it's not too much of a hit for us. But you know, I think that the students value that and, and, you know, they leave with something they physically and, and I guess they leave with the idea of our product, but um, yeah, I think the authenticity is huge and it is something that we it's, it's in our, honestly, it's like a huge part of our business model is just trying to trying to striving to have the best customer service possible because we're a young company and to, to be real, there's other companies who can do similar things to us who have millions, hundreds of millions more dollars than we do. But we try to give our users the best experience on our platform as possible. We try to be um, as helpful as founders as we possibly can. We try to just add value in any way that we can, because at the end of the day, as a startup, you, you can't offer money. You know, it's something that we can't do is say, Hey, if you sign up or refer a friend, we'll give you $10 simply. And financially, we just cannot do that. So we have to, you know, find other ways to add value. And and that way has been going, speaking with people and, you know, just like making people laugh, you know, making people smile, laughing ourselves, you know, just kind of being raw and being a person as opposed to just a company. And do you you think that is the nature of, the nature of good brands that appeal to, to Gen Z is, is that kind of like a human face to it. Do you think that like, if you think about the, the brands that are doing well with Gen Z, like are they the ones that have that authenticity to them? They have that, that human face to them. I, I, I think, yeah, to some extent. Yes. Um, I think that companies that Gen Z seem to value a ton are yeah. Like authentic companies and, and companies that, um, they, they kind of stand for a social issue. And I guess that kind of speaks on the authenticity and, and the, like the, the trueness of a company, um, you know, like tons of, for example, clothing brands that, that, you know, if you buy a shirt, we will plant 10 trees and those type of companies, they, they're hugely successful and they're popular. And because obviously, you know, with the rise of social media and Gen Z social issues are at the forefront of all of media. Right. So um, to stand behind a social issue and, and to, you know, just be authentic and, and like a true company, as opposed to kind of being fake and just in it for the dollars. I, I think that's kind of on its way out. Uh, fakeness is a good point as well when it comes to this, because Gen, Gen Z are savvy enough when it comes to media and social media that they, 
they notice when people are just putting on pretend pretending to be to have social values like you can't get away with just like oh putting a rainbow sticker on your on your logo yeah. during pride month and stuff you had to they want to see you actually practice what you preach when it comes to these messages that you're putting out like it's not something you can just like do just in like black history month or pride yeah. month it's something you've got to do all year round is support these kinds of values yeah no for sure and uh so so Last March, I, I guess to almost rewind here a bit, last March when we had our app and, and COVID had struck and, you know, it mm-hmm. was, even though the cases weren't as high as they were this year, it was, it was like a, there was so much fear. Yeah. Um, so one thing that we did was rather, so we still had our web platform live. Um, we did some tweets to it and, and right away within the first month of COVID, we launched a fundraiser that was raising money for a local food bank here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, we had been doing some research and we saw that this, it was, it's called the Toronto daily bread food bank. And they were really struggling throughout COVID because they couldn't find volunteers. Um, so, so many, you know, millions of people in, in the GTA were out of jobs. Mm-hmm. So, so many more people had to start resorting to these food banks and they just didn't have the resources to be able to um, meet this, this rising need. So we started a fundraiser. And of course, as a small company, um, we, we did our best. We ended up raising $15,000. Mm-hmm. And But on top of that, uh, three members of our team, we went and we volunteered for, um, I think in total, it was about 80 hours at the food bank. And, and so we went and we did that. And that was, that was really good for us, you know, because one, we helped out the food bank. We were able to to use our platform that we just spent the past year building. It was either we put it, let it collect dust on the shelf or, Mm -hmm. you know, we use it for a good cause. And so we were able to do that. We've actually, um, through kind of throughout the past year and throughout 2020, we did a couple other fundraisers. We, we did a a fight, we organized a virtual five kilometer run, uh, for breast cancer research. And that was, um, that was very successful as well. Our, the food bank fundraiser, we kind of raised from um, more like millennials and an and older crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the, the fundraiser it was fully students. So for that, we, we got our brand ambassadors on board. All our brand ambassadors got a ton of their friends, their houses. And then we partnered with a ton of school clubs and fraternities and sororities. So we got, so, you know, and partnering with these frats and, and these sororities, we were able to get 85 people on per house. So that was, that was great for us. We raised a ton of money for that as well. So um, those are some of the ways that we've been able to use our platform um, rather than just letting it sit over COVID and, and uh, mm-hmm. like kind of collect dust while we build out our new platform. We were, we were able to actually use the, our website that we have now for good. And yeah, then they're, they're, when you get right down to it, they are marketing activities, but they're marketing activities that are benefiting people as well. Sure. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's philanthropy that makes business sense at the same time. Um, so is, is that what, is that what Gen Z are looking for? They're looking for companies that are authentic and give to charity. Is that it? Is there anything else that you think in your in your experience, like what else do people need to do? Do brands need to do? What do CMOs need to think when they're when they're targeting uh, Gen Z? Yeah, uh, I, I, that's it's definitely not all. I think that it it does play a part, but it's not all. Um, I, I think for for like a large span of time, businesses seem to almost ignore Gen Zs. Um, I think it's because they're scared of them. That's the thing. They don't understand them. Yeah, well, for sure. I think that the Gen Gen Zs are very, 
uh, strongly opinionated and they're critical. And I think that businesses often didn't know how to market to Gen Z's. Um, even, even though I, I, I was reading an article recently and Gen Z's make up for almost 40, or this was in 2018. So before COVID made up for almost 40% of all consumer spending in the U.S. Um, and they had a buying power of 143 billion, which is insane. That's crazy. So, yeah. And, and among Gen Z's, parents who have kids who are Gen Z's, they'll often consult them before making just a typical household purchase. So I think that, and businesses have started to realize this and, and you have seen businesses start to market towards Gen Z's a little bit more. Um, I think that in the digital age, social media, I, I know I, I was kind of being mean to social media earlier, <laughs> that we don't do digital marketing, but and I was more talking about digital paid marketing. Yeah. Um, having a having a presence on social media, I think, is extremely important, um, especially TikTok and Instagram. Uh, so, as a company, us, we actually we're late we're late to TikTok. We re- only recently got on TikTok, but the the power that TikTok has is incredible. Um, the amount of people that you can reach, you know, even just by luck with one video. Uh, it's insane and it's unmatched anywhere. There's no platform like it. You know, you can post one video talking about your product and overnight you can get a hundred million views. It, you know, if you're lucky and everything seem to work out for you. Uh, we, we haven't had that, but it is possible. Um, yeah. It's been, it's crazy. Like the, the rise of the rise of TikTok, like and it's gone. It's seemingly in like the past year, it seems to have gone from just being this, yeah, just this platform for, for teenagers to dance on and stuff uh, to being, I think Ad Age named it, uh, Ad Age or Ad Week it named it 2020's best marketer. Uh, it's a huge opportunity for brands, uh, particularly when it comes to to influencer marketing. I think like there's a lot of big big influencers on there. Big, people have huge followership. Um, followership is that something that brands should be looking at? Should be should they be speaking to TikTok ambassadors rather than trying to build their own TikTok presence? Um, I, I think that doing both is useful. Um, but I think that, you know, speaking to different influencers and creators, I think it has to be done in a very particular way. Um, you don't, and this is some stuff that I've done a lot of research on for our company is because we've considered, you know, uh, paying influencers to talk about our brand and, and then post a video. One thing that, um, seems to be a common trend is that influencers, well, depending on the size, you know, if you're going for a huge influencer, they'll typically one, it's when they talk about your brand, it's, it comes off as ingenuine. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll talk about it. You know, you know, they'll post it on the same day as they post 10 other videos, you know, maybe talking about some other brands as well. And then they, end, oftentimes they end up deleting your, the video. So it doesn't even last. It, it kind of just turns into um, a video that you have that can't be found anywhere else. <laughs> So, but, but on the other hand, there's, you know, creator marketing and that's going for more of the market, I don't know, around 2000 to 50,000 followers, which is a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. And these creators that, you know, they come off as a a lot more genuine, they'll use your product and they'll, they typically will keep your videos up. um, And you can actually talk with them as opposed to, you know, these influencers with 3 million followers, they, they won't respond to you. You're kind of going through um, an influencer agency who talks to the influencer's agent at, who talks to them. And, you know, there's no conversation, you know, you can't really express the vision that you're trying to go for. Um, something that we've done 
it's just because as I mentioned, Bert, we only recently got on TikTok, but we've hired on a social media manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's come on. He's a he's a photographer, videographer. So he has you know all the the necessary gear, and pretty much his job is to just manage our social media to keep constant posts on on our Instagram to be responding to DMs to comments. Um, on our TikTok to be filming TikToks I, as an exec team, even. And since we're still relatively small, um, we try to be the face of, of our TikTok. So we, we cut out a day or honestly like a day and a half out of our week to, and we allocate that to just filming content to, um, you know, if somebody comments on one of our Instagram to filming a response to that comment. Um, and I think that that will pay off because people appreciate that, you know, you're not just some random guy that the company's hired, that you're actually the founder or the founders. And you take the time to, you know, go on the social media to talk to people. And so I I do think, you know, I guess to bring this full circle here um, for other CMOs, I think that, and I guess it depends what uh, sector of business you're in, but looking at social media and really considering getting on, especially if you're marketing to Gen Z's, I think it's massively important. I think that if you're not on TikTok or Instagram yet, you're already behind the ball, Mm -hmm. not too late, because as I said, overnight, you can, you know, gain a huge following, but I think it's definitely a, uh, a very important, uh, channel of marketing. And honestly, even with, with, um, the rise of online shopping, uh, TikTok and Instagram have, you know, kind of shifted towards being able to purchase through them. So I, I think it is the future. It, it's it's even a big, it's even a potential platform for for B to certain B two B brands as well. Like we mm-hmm. think of it just being consumers because people still have in their head that Gen Gen Z are teenagers, but they're not. I, I just you, you're Gen Z. You're a CMO. You're you're in a position of of power to be purchasing to be buying in the B two B way. And I think yeah. it's. I read a stat recently that something like over over 60% of Gen Z aspire to entrepreneurship. They want to they want to run their own business. They want to be they want to do basically what you've done. So to think you as a model of like a Gen Z buyer being on um being um on TikTok and, and all that, it just makes sense for brands to get involved with TikTok in a way that that shows the authenticity of the brand as well. Because as as you said, like TikTok, it's not these big fancy filtered videos and stuff like people want to see genuine people on screen mm. i think maybe that's why cmos and older marketers are scared of it because it, it would mean they'd have to actually put themselves in front of the camera like so yeah <laughs> and like and also just they don't understand the challenges i mean i'm not on tiktok like i'm personally i'm not on tiktok like i'm i'm the company i'm in we do have tiktoks but yeah I, I'm, I'm not personally on it because um I can't dance, so I, I can't get on it. But, but is it just a case that, like, we do just need to get on it and learn how things work? Like, is there, or is there, or should we just be hiring Gen Z people to manage all our TikToks for us? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it's a that's a tricky question. Even myself, I like for the longest time, as I mentioned, we, we put off TikTok, and a huge reason was because I was I wasn't a fan of getting in front of the camera either. Um, I don't know. I've, I've recently um, kind of been pushing that to the side and I've been doing it and I don't know, I'm, I'm living my best life now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think for, for older companies and I guess it's easier for us because again, we are Gen Z's 
we're, I mean, we're right up, we're the, on the cutoff year of Gen Z, yeah. but um, it, so it's probably as easier for us. I do think for, you know, companies that for, you know, have older execs, um, hiring a Gen Z probably is your best option. Um, the power of, of a Gen Z, you know, they can, under, they understand exactly what Gen Zs want. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about um, marketing to university students and, and I was a university student, so I understand exactly what they want. Um, or I was recently a university student. Um, I think that hiring a Gen Z, it, it's very easy for them to understand the, the ongoing trends, you know, on TikTok trends come and go like, like no tomorrow. Right. So what one, one trend that could be popular on a Monday could be unheard of by Thursday. So you really got to hop on those trends quick. Um, and I think that it's probably the best bet to get a Gen Z to do this just because of, you know, they understand it the best. And, and missing those trends, like coming to those trends too late on TikTok could be more detrimental to the brand, not just because you're, like, you're not hitting the market, but you look you look silly, you look foolish for, for yeah. being outdated. Even if it's just a week, like you can look completely ridiculous. Yeah, no, honestly. And I think that even just society as a whole, like uh, people, are, things are starting to come and go a lot quicker. And I think it's just the, the rise of the digital age. Um the people's attention span, it's, it's seeming to to go a little bit. And I think mainly Gen Z's probably, and I think TikTok is a huge factor in that. But yeah, you you don't want to be late on the trends because, you know, they they probably just won't gain any traction. And, and that's, that's probably why it's been such a good method for you to go like the sort of the direct marketing route, because it means you can just circumnavigate all that completely. You can actually hold people's attention by having a conversation with them directly. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, go on. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, like that—that that is like you know, I think that there's tons of pros in going and actually speaking with people. But yeah, being able to speak with somebody and then hear how they respond is super important for us. You know, so if we if we bring up one thing, but you know, we we ask somebody if they like one feature and they and one person doesn't. <clears throat> And then we ask someone else and they do, then, you know, we can, we start to weigh what features we like, you know, what, what colors we should use, what style of logo we can use, you know, you, we, we use it in a ton of different ways, but um, yeah, just speaking with people in person, it, it, it pays huge dividends. So let, let's talk a bit about the future because you've got, you've got the launch coming up like, and good luck with it. Cause it's, it's an absolute mammoth task launching a product like especially especially a product like this um mm. will you still be able to be that kind of like authentic face of the company say say five years from now and you're grown huge and you're in every single campus in in canada will you still be able to go out and speak to your audience in, in this direct way or do you think you are just gonna have to take a, a step back as the company grows uh this is something that we we've actually spoken about and <clears throat> One thing that we we do want to try to remain the face of the brands and, you know, give off that authenticity. Um, we, we spoke about as we grow and, and as we expand to different campuses and, you know, maybe into the States and who knows, maybe to the UK one day. Um, we, we would like to allocate some time to be able to go and, you know, almost do a university tour, similar to what we're doing in September, where, you know, we take a month or we take two months and we just go to all these different schools and we, and we talk to people. Maybe we won't be able to go to every single campus that we're on, but eventually we, we would like to, um, because, just because of the importance that we've put on it. 
and, and, and I suppose it just gives you a chance to refresh the insights that you're getting as well on like a constant basis that, that, that eventually it's not going to be gen I don't know what the next well is the next generation after Gen Z if they named them yet I, I, I don't know but Whatever name, but yeah, I'm not sure. Let's call it Gen Alpha. We'll get onto Greek letters now. I, I honestly think you're right. I think yeah. it is Gen Alpha, actually. Well, if it is, then that is pure kismet. <laughs> That's complete fate. I, I completely pulled that out of my my rear end right then. Um, Gen Alpha, then yeah, they're going to be on. They could be on a completely different platform. They could have completely different needs. They could have completely different priorities. And the only way you're going to get to know that is by getting out and speaking to them. I suppose, like, like, I don't know what the next TikTok's going to be, like, uh, but whoever is inventing it, inventing it is probably going to be a very wealthy person. But mm. yeah, it's you've got to keep refreshing those insights on a constant basis, and I think that's an important, important duty of a CMO. Is that is that yeah? Is that something that attracted you to the the role? Do you think was getting those insights, getting to understand people? Yeah, yeah, and I think this all kind of it ties back to you know what I talked about earlier with hosting events in high school and university is I just, I, I enjoyed the the process of, you know, selling tickets to people, talking with people, um, you know, like discussing with people, oh, what, she, what theme should we do for this party or um, what DJ should we get? You know, like I, I enjoy the, the process of the whole thing. Um, so it definitely did attract me. Um, I, I think that as I grow older though, um, I, I realize that, I, I don't know everything, you know, and even now that it's a, that's a huge pillar of uh, my role is that I, I, I know I don't know everything. So, and I'm always willing to learn and, and I'm, and I appreciate criticism. So as I grow older and, and right now, one thing that I, I pride myself on is understanding Gen Z's as I grow older. And, and I, I did actually just look it up. It is Gen Alpha oh. I, and, and Gen Alpha <laughs> and Gen Alpha, um, are, they're the they're the new university students, and you, you know, I, I want to be willing to understand that I don't I might not understand them as well as you know maybe a Gen Alpha might. So to bring on you know somebody in that generation to come on, and I can consult with them to to you know best understand the practices and the trends and the exercises that you know will attract this generation the most. Excellent. I think that's a that's a great note to end on on there. Um, there in uh, maybe just one last thing um i like to do like a little final thing at the end of these episodes like what 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 is the absolute golden rule for marketing to gen z we've, we've covered a few things and but like what is the absolute golden rule and how can cmos like approach that that rule hmm. uh i don't want i don't want to say to be authentic because i, I feel like we, we've talked about that a lot i think that uh maybe to hold yourself accountable if, if you, if you mess up to address it and to try to move on as best as possible. Um, and the reason I say that is just because, as I mentioned earlier, Gen Z's, they, they are critical and um, they hold social values very high. So I think that for, for CMOs, if your company does make a mistake ever um, trying to ignore it I, with amongst the Gen Z population might not sit well. I think that it's important to hold yourself accountable and to just move on as best as you can from there. Yeah, because even if they've got short short retention spans, like you said, they can have long memories because they're they're right. so digital yeah. digital savvy. They can just pull up all the facts, all the all the history of your company, like straight away, and and hold yeah. that against you. 
Yeah, that's totally right. With technology, nothing really seems to die these days. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So, own your mistakes, be accountable, and be honest. I think is yeah. yeah, That's a great way to go. Um, Thank you very much, Aiden. This has been great. Um, I'm sure it will be very helpful to our to our listeners. And thank you, listeners. We'll be back soon with more CMO combos.